0: You're listening to the Brilliant Breakthrough Podcast, episode number five with Maggie Magan, part two. What is going on, small business owners? I'm your host, Jake Naraki. Welcome back to the Brilliant Breakthrough Podcast for the small business owner. And today is part two of our interview with Maggie Magan. Maggie is the individual that created the Brilliant Breakthrough book. And if this is your first time, you're probably thinking to yourself, what the heck is a Brilliant Breakthrough book? Well, let me give you a little bit of details. On November 8th of 2017, Maggie and the whole co-author team are releasing a book called The Brilliant Breakthroughs, for the small business owner, fresh perspectives on profitability, people. Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Business. And like I said, that book is coming live November 8th, and today we are sitting back down with Maggie. Maggie is the kind of the the tip of the spear, if you want to say, behind this book. She manifested it, she thought of it, she decided to bring out a book to help you, the small business owner, increase everything in your business so you can thrive and succeed in the 21st century. And in part one, if you wouldn't mind, you can always go back there it was episode number four we kind of sat down and Maggie's chapter in particular is about simplifying business success in the 21st century and so we kind of went through the nitty-gritty of what small business owners go through her backstory and why this is obviously so powerful the book that's going to be coming out very shortly and so today we're really going to hash out part two of that which is her four pillars that she based the book on and of course that is the outline for this podcast show and so those Pillars are profitability, people, productivity, and peace. And this is the third chapter in the profitability chapter where we talked with Greg Nicholson, he was on marketing, and we talked with David Wallace, who was in sales, and Maggie is kind of rounding out the third spot in that uh, pillar, I should say. So with that being said, um, before we get into the interview. I want to share with you one way to get yourself a great great resource: 100 tips to help your small business succeed. All you have to do is go to our Bitly link, and that is b i t period l y forward slash capital B for Brilliant, capital B for Biz. Capital B for book. Again, it's B-I-T period L-Y forward slash capital B for brilliant, capital B for biz, capital B for book. Make sure you use capital Bs to get directed to the exact location to find those 100 tips that you can use in your small business today. To win for the rest of 2017 and beyond, as they say. So, without further ado, let's dive into part two of our interview. I am going to rewind the interview a little bit so you get a little bit of context before we dive into the interview with Maggie. Nonetheless, enjoy it. We'll see you on the back side have kind of boiled down that there's really four key performance pillars that are needed. Do you mind just summarizing or just touching on each one, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into each one that can relate to the small business owner that is listening right now?
1: Oh, absolutely. And there is a visual in the introduction of the book. So um, when you get the book, whether it's the ebook or the paperback, you'll be able to get a better grip on this. But for now, performance pillar number one is profitability. If you don't have money, you can't serve people. That's the short story. Um, number two performance pillar is people, people, people. Without people, your business will perish. People, even if you're business to business, people are the ones who make purchasing decisions. And there's a whole team of people. I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yep. The third performance pillar is productivity. And it gets a pretty bad rap. And I have a different way of approaching productivity. And then the fourth one is peace. And this always surprises me because when I, I say the fourth performance pillar is peace, everybody sighs. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it is possible, I promise you. It is very, very possible. Yeah. However, what amazes me is that's the one thing every human strives to have to achieve is peace. And yet we don't even put that in our business equation. (laughs) So my clients and I do. (laughs) <laughs> That's where we differ,
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure, yeah. Those are obviously very strong points. Um, and you know, diving into the first one with profits, uh, you, you have a great quote here by George Santino. Uh, he says the ultimate goal for every business business is to make profit with whatever you are selling. And obviously, the whole point. I mean, the, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why people dive into this pool of entrepreneurship, small business is, you know, to create value and connection, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you need to bring in some type of profit into your life to make it worthwhile. Because, yeah. a, a, you know, as we know, today's keyword, I guess the yin and the yang is, where do we find that that balance? Because in today's world, it, there's, you need to bring value to people for them to open up their wallets to give you their money in whatever shape or form that is for you and your business. Where does that line get drawn when you go, holy geez, I'm really giving the whole kitchen sink here. How the heck can I charge for this stuff if I'm giving away everything for free? Where is that yin and the yang of the profitability and the, the value statement?
1: Write a blog. Okay, next question. <laughs> okay, there, there is a sweet spot in this. And usually it happens through experimenting. You cannot give everything away. And so often when small business owners start, they want to give everything away. And if they're coaches, the coaches industry itself has been um, screwing up small business owners that are coaches because they're like, give away everything. Give it, give it, give it, give it. Yes. Yeah. That's not a new message. Right. And for 10 over 10 years, that's what. They've been saying, and I've talked with many of them, i like, you're doing a great disservice to new coaches. There comes a point where, yes, you can give certain things away, that, and, but only give away your best value. And I know that's something that everybody gets all crazy about. Give them my golden nuggets? Yes. Show them what you got. If you don't show them what you have, how will they know that you're the right one to um, serve them?
0: True. True doesn't
1: matter if it's a product or a service. They don't know unless you show them what you have. Mm-hmm. So when I start talking about value, value always needs to be high. I just had a conversation with a client who said, I don't want to discount everything. I just moved my prices up and I don't want to discount them. I said, don't discount them. But have you thought about adding a this or a that? Because it's the holidays. And she came back and said, oh, that's a good idea. I said, yeah, because once you get caught on price discounting, there's no turning back. And you become a commodity when you work on price. And free is part of price. You can be generous and help people. You can be generous and give. But there comes a point where that has to shift to bringing money in. Otherwise, you won't be able to be generous
0: in the future. You know, the one thing I love is your chapter is laid out very simplistic and simple equals uh, success in my mind because the simpler it is, the the means that more I'm able to actually use it. And the one thing I'm staring at it right now, the primary goal for small business is to create a profit. Check, okay. The secondary goal (laughs) for small business is to sustain that profit. (laughs) And that's – that's so funny because, you know, when you do start on this journey of starting your, your business, um, you know, you're always looking for that first sale, you know, and you're like, Oh my gosh, the excitement and all that stuff. I would say as, as I've been in this pool a while now too, it's hard to sustain that profit, you know, and, and how do you zigzag that course? And obviously, like I said, you're, you have a very simplistic outline here, but take us through how, I mean, how do we sustain that profit so we're able to utilize – you have a great uh, formula by Eric here. He's a CPA. Uh, do you mind sharing that, uh, that formula? And then maybe you can answer the, the question on uh, you know, how do we continue to sustain that profit?
1: Yeah, Eric uh, Levenhagen, a great CPA. He is not my CPA, by the way, but he and I have become friends. Matter of fact, we met on LinkedIn. And yeah, and Eric, I love his approach because it's how we need to be looking at it. He said, traditionally, the profit equation is sales minus expenses equals profit. He said, let's let's change that, folks. It should be profit is the focus. Hmm. So profit should be taken out of revenue first. That focus then shifts us or, or that equation of profit minus, I'm, I'm sorry, revenue minus profit equals cash flow should be our motivator, because we should always be working to move that profit margin needle and expand that and expand our cash flow. So we need to look at things a little differently from how we've been taught, and that's why I I love talking to Eric because he gets it that everybody's so caught on. You know, just make more revenue, just make more revenue. Well, why are you in the game? George A. Santino says, if you're not making profit, you're not in the game. And you know what? The IRS says that, too.
0: <laughs> well, that IRS. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So it's it's one of those things that we need to really be looking at. How do we continue to create revenue? And one of the greatest ways to do that is embrace experimenting. And I talk about that in the chapter. It's a phenomenal part of the entrepreneurial history, especially when we go back to how America was founded. And we talk about that in the introduction. So if you're not experimenting like, oh, if I add these components to it, I can get this price and I can create a higher value in my customer's eyes, you're not doing what you need to be doing yet. Yeah. And it, this is something that I am continuously working on myself because we always need to be looking at our business differently.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of a program where their kind of slogan is uh, – to hack basically somebody else's work, as in see what somebody else is doing, <laughs> kind of copy it. I mean, hacking is basically saying copy it and implement it implements in your business. And I really feel that that takes away from the creativity, that takes away from the value, that takes away your own pizzazz um, when it comes to you bringing yourself into the marketplace because it's not allowing your true mind, creative spirit to come out because you're just seeing what other people are are doing and you just copy it. And then it's not really flavorful to your standard. And so the question I have is that's kind of a standard out there because people see what's working and they go, oh, okay, well, that person had uh, 10 million views on YouTube because of this topic. And Uh so I'm going to force myself to – Think creatively and kind of copy, but yet alter it a little bit on their topic and to make it my own so that I can have 10 million views. Where is the disconnect to that experimenting? Are people really not confident in that they, they're they able to have that creative bug? Are they relying on just trying to get that profit you know, so big that they don't care about exper- experimenting? They just want to know what works and they just do? What's your feeling on that?
1: Ooh, lots of feelings on that. Um, Hack, trigger word in my world because hack, when you hack, you lose the sparkle. You lose the sequence, the power, the brilliance, the genius, and you create vanilla. Hmm. So there's a lot of vanilla out there. Hack is not honoring who you are. True. True. Um, it's, it's something that I tell my clients when they start working with me, we're not going to use that word. We're not going to even think about it because it's a disservice to everyone. A lot of the unexperts that I referenced in our, um, introduction podcast to the book series.
0: Do you mind hitting on that on, on do, you, do you mind just giving <laughs> the definition to somebody that has never heard that before?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Unexpert, capital U, capital N, hyphen, expert. Unexperts are people who are not practicing experts of what they're doing. They're out there saying, oh, you should be doing this because they did it once and they haven't stayed with it to work out all the bugs and they're teaching you their one-hit wonder. Or they've seen other people do it just like what you were talking about with this hacking concept and they're like, I can do that and I can make money doing just that. I'll change a few words. I'll put my face and name on it and I'll make money. Those are not practicing experts. And what I see is um, a lot of the unexperts are putting out the same vanilla that keep small business owners in mediocrity. And they like that because then you continue to need them which is very different from a a practicing expert. A practicing expert knows the ins and outs and they're going to tell you what you need for your particular type of business instead of you getting bogged down in the busyness of learning whatever that expertise is. And they're going to give you what you need so you can go ahead and learn how to feed yourself. And then they're going to cut you loose. Two very different models. Now, what was your original question? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: experimenting, you know, and I guess as you were talking, you know, the one thing, like I said, in, in, in my world, what I'm learning or the people that I watch, you know, they just say basically copy what's working and implement it in your own style. And it's really easier said than done, right? Because anybody can just copy what they're doing, but it's hard to bring in your own flavor when you're staring at somebody else's content and just basically pulling it over. Um, and I think the biggest thing is to continue that, um, you know, experimenting tactic of kind Of what you're doing, as in blogging three, four, five days a week, where you have to pull ideas out of the sky, where you're like, what the heck am I even going to think about? And as you continue to sit down at your computer and look at that blank screen, you are doing a great job of creating content, your own unique style, without relying or hacking or copying anybody else, because you know that you have four blog posts this week you need to create, and you don't have time to be going around and, and copying other people's stuff. Off. And so you're you're doing a great job of you know expanding your experimental um, muscle. And there's a lot of people that don't do that because they don't feel confident, or again back to that mindset kind of stuff. And it's just easier because the path of least resistance is to basically. You know, copy other people's stuff what they're doing because then it just streamlines the process. And so, do you have any other, you know, a, a, one more tip on on somebody that is looking to expand their e- experiencing or experimental muscle?
1: Yeah, um, and and I'm glad that you brought it back to my blog because the truth is in that answer. The gentleman who challenged me to start writing a blog, and I said, what do I write about?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Start." writing about your journey as a small business owner and I'm like okay and you know I did that and I said well where do I go to learn about this and he said don't look at what anyone else is doing yeah he said just write about what you know and what you're experiencing and sometimes it's your own story and sometimes it's others and I have to tell you, hindsight, that was what he gave me two great tips. One blog, you know, back in the day when it was still the wild, wild west. And, you know, I, I worked up to three blogs a week. I've never gone beyond that. And now I'm down to two a week. I hit 900 and I started to hit a block. OK, or no, <laughs> at 800. I hit a block and I went down to two. Um, but finding out what was inside me and what needed to come through for my customers with my way has been the magical touch. And it's only through actually sitting down and writing all those blogs that I found out what was in me. Now that, that is a very um, pragmatic way to figure out what you're up to and I don't encourage everybody to do that that way. There's a lot of other ways you can do it and you can do it quickly. But if you start blogging regularly, you'll find out what you're made out of and where your flavor really is and then who you're trying to attract. It will reveal itself. But the key is until we are experimenting consistently, we're just trying to create what's already out there. And that's not, necessarily what's going to gain you market share or help you become a leader in your marketplace
0: yeah yeah thank you for uh sharing that and uh and playing along because i think it's key you know um you see it, I see it. Uh, Everybody is just copying each other's styles from pictures to words to to layouts to everything, you know. And and it's getting a lot of consistent messaging um, and theories because people feel it works. So and you know they just feel it's easy and they can just move forward. But I think I think you nailed it. And what you do, like I said, with your blog is that you experiment and you bring up your own style, which has allowed you to have the confidence and the ability to go, hey, I'm. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Uh, Gosh (laughs) darn it! (laughs) Jake, you
1: you did that via you're podcasting, right? Oh, right. And,
0: and we all do, right? I mean, you you for some odd reason, you, you just start to go off on your own tangent. But in the early days, it's easy to copy because you're not confident in who you are, what you're about, your values and all that stuff. But you're right. It does come out over time and it has to because you start to like who you become and who your true voice is, either actually talking or in your blog posts or your social media or what other, other medium that you reach out to, to your uh, customers and clients. Um, I think, is really key but that takes time though i mean wouldn't you say it takes i mean it takes some people it's weeks months sometimes years right for pit for them to stumble upon their their unique value
1: right you get i think after you're doing something for about 30 times you start to get your own flavor and personality brought into it and then from there you start refining it or you might go down one path and say, oh, that was close, but not quite right. And then right. you redirect yourself to how you really want to show up in your own marketplace. And I guess, you know, that's that's one of the things that maybe we haven't talked about that could be essential, Jake, is I work with people who want to own their marketplace. So if somebody's looking to just... Um, hang their shingle next to the person who's hanging a similar shingle, they're probably not going to want to play the way I play and, and do this extra work. But if, if you want to be the owner of your, create your marketplace and then own it, there's a little more work to it, but it isn't difficult. It just needs you showing up consistently. And that's why I say sometimes it's best to slow down so you can accelerate. And figure out what you're really doing and what needs to be done.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, uh, I think we could talk on that for probably a couple days. So we're gonna we're, yeah. gonna we're gonna keep her moving, as they say. That's um, rocket. So the next performance pillar you have is people. People is key. There's five types of people that you kind of hit upon: uh, team, customer, guidance team, network hubs, and business alliances. Do um, you want to just uh, take a second and kind of walk us through those different categories that you have distinguished?
1: Yeah, I think that it's really important um, teams. And this is the one that's often misunderstood is a team can either be who you have as an employees in house and you are your own team to begin with, as well as your external folks, you know, like people we outsource to. Maybe it could be somebody who does our web work, somebody that's on social media, it could be accounting. Um, we could go on and on and on. But anyone who's providing a service or who you're sending a check to is part of your team. And everyone on your team should have a really good job description so they know how to show up. Customers, the second one is people who, I love this, customer is someone who actually pays you money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And if they're not paying you money and you're calling them customers, which oftentimes we do, We tend to reference that they're potential customers, which means they're prospects. We're warming them up. That's like 97% of the marketplace. Um, A guidance team, often overlooked. Everybody needs mentors, advisors, coaches, whatever you want to call these people. These are the people that you can go to and have conversations with. And you're going to walk out with some wisdom and some guidance to know how to move forward. In some cases, they're... Paid. It depends what type of level you engage at, but even there's mentors who um, you meet with once a month or once a year and you pay them. There's all different types of arrangements. Don't back down from anything. Get the people that you need. Case in point, my son is a world-class flutist, and uh, Juilliard was very interested in him out of high school, and he wasn't interested in them. And that was really hard for a parent to understand why not. And he said, the right teacher isn't there. So he went to a different school where the right teacher was for him. He knew what he needed. Years later, after he had traveled through Europe and had done some really wonderful things, the right teacher ended up at Juilliard and they invited him to come to Juilliard. And he studied with her and he picked up two degrees from them. So he knew what he needed. Most of us aren't really that savvy. I'm not, but he was. (laughs) Uh, You you become savvy after a while and, you know, start with somebody who's done what you are trying to accomplish. That's the end of the story on guidance team.
0: True. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. Networking hubs. Um, Hubs are really cool. We can call these people centers of influence. Um, Paul Neuberger, the cold call coach, that's what he calls them. Other coaches call them hubs. And I like hubs because when you think of a wheel, a hub is the center that everything goes around and the spokes reach outward. That's why I prefer to call them hubs. Hubs, one person can connect you to their whole network. Those are valuable people to have. The other And the last type of person you need in your business is a business ally. And those are people who can help you expand your business and you partner with them like um, JVs. Oh, heck, even this book that we're talking about is a partnership where we have a collective coming together to spread the word on something. So uh, people tend to forget that you really need five types of people in your business to make it rock. And those are the five roles that need to show up and you need to be developing all of them continuously.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you know, it would be obvious for me to say, well, out of these five, which one is key, you know, to success in a small business owner? And there's really no... There is not one because as you break it down, they're all needed. I mean, from guidance to networks to your own team to customers to allies, I mean, you really need that framework built out. And if you are a new business owner or a business owner that maybe isn't uh, attracting the the type of business that you need or want, um, this would probably be a great starting point for you to at least write out. And to fill in the blanks and to say, okay, who's on my team? Where are my customers? The guidance, the networking, uh, the allies, all that stuff. And if you are really short in one area, then maybe that's the missing link. And it's not maybe going to be the one-stop shop and that's going to solve every problem in the world. But wouldn't you agree that it's a great starting point for somebody to really outline the the, the things that need to happen for them to become a success?
1: I completely agree with you, and that's why in my membership site where we start working on each one of these four performance pillars, the very first key lesson we have under people is understanding the five roles and building out your list so you know what you do and don't have. It's an inventory, yeah. and you know, you said, is one better than another? No, we need them all. Right. However, Gandhi, people forget often that he started out as an attorney, And one of my favorite quotes of his, and I I don't remember, it's rather long, but it's without a customer, there is no business. Hmm. And he's right. It's just a plan until you have a customer. Um, Yet you need all five of these roles active to make that customer happen.
0: True, true. Um, obviously we could dive deeper into people, but we're going to keep her moving again. The third product or performance pillar is productivity. Uh, this one, it, we kind of started the conversation with, and now it's time for us to dive a little bit deeper into, this is something that it's a hot, it's a very popular Google search out there. <laughs> people love to learn about it, but it's very hard for people to implement a lot of these tactics. So take us through uh, pro- or uh, productivity
1: it's funny that you said Google because I laughed somebody was referencing me as a productivity expert and I kept telling them I'm not that I'm not that I'm not that I said go Google yourself this was a couple years ago and I'm like oh I guess I'm a productivity expert um (laughs) because this is one of the performance pillars that I speak of and I guess it picked up enough traction out there here's the end of the story America is a little confused in what productivity is and isn't. We are addicted to busy. Yes.
0: Yeah. Guilty.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. we all are. Okay. We all are. And, you know, the worst thing is I just, ah it drives me crazy when I say, hey, how are you doing? And everybody goes, busy. That's not what I asked. And yet that's where we default. So we're we're really in a world of hurt over this busy thing. And we've confused busyness with productivity. If we would start to look at what productivity is and the first three letters being pro, um, should give us a clue, we would realize that we're busy doing a lot of stuff. And that stuff that we're doing as small business owners may not be what's moving our performance needles. It's keeping us and our calendars full and busy all day long. But it may not be delivering the performance we need to be a profitable and sustainable business. So one of the things that I tell people to do is take a a really good look at what you're doing. Are you effective In what your goals are, whatever your activities are, are they aligning and delivering what your goals are? And if they're not, you might have a problem. Efficiency is another animal, and that just means moving through things in a timely fashion. And our goal is to become better at it and develop well-defined processes that are both effective and efficient. But that involves us slowing down and looking at what the heck we're doing every day and what our goals are and then finding out where the waste is and start focusing on the things that really matter. And if you're somebody who's out there that's just like winging it, you're not going to cut it for long. Sorry to tell you. Yeah.
0: When when you start to work with individuals, where is the lack of productivity? Where Where are we where are the wheels starting to fall off? Is it, you know, is it getting back to who we are, why we're in business, kind of back to those basics? You know, everybody says, you know, create a mission statement, you know, what's your value statement? All these different statements that we're supposed to create, but a lot of us don't do because we're like, oh, I, I know why I'm in business, you know, to create an income, to make an ind- uh, a difference, to make an impact, to educate whatever it is. Um, you know, is it good for us to kind of have those statements up either around us or to reflect on when we start to drift off course.
1: Yeah, they are. And, uh, two things tend to happen. First of all, we start on that process of, you know, what is the business purpose? What is our vision? And then the mission, which is the how to, and we, we start moving in that direction. And oftentimes, boy, more often than not, um, My clients will start down that path and then they'll find out as they start working through that, that what they said they want to do or what they thought they want to do and what they actually end up doing are two very different things because they they keep staying in it and working it. And that's the one thing that I don't think enough small business owners do is they don't do that slow down to figure out the game they're playing and where it is and where it isn't and what's right and what's not. For them to then accelerate, because if they do it well, they'll come up with their whole product development. They'll come up with their marketing plan. It actually develops itself. They'll know what their customer avatar is, a phrase I don't care for. But um, <laughs> they'll have all that because they took the time to develop it. And then they just go like wildfire, like that other um, client that I told you about earlier that just skyrocketed. Sure. <laughs> she sure. did the work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um... There's a lot of great tips that you share uh, in this section, and obviously, we, we're kind of running uh, a little bit out of time, and there's one that I think is really key for mental clarity, and I think it's a nice segue into your last pillar, which, which is peace, and you say uh, king or queen of cushion. What do you, what do you explain? What, what, you know, Explain that to the audience, and, and why is that key when it comes to productivity?
1: <laughs> oh, man, I've been teaching this for so long. Everybody loves it. Okay. Men, you can be the king and women, you can be the king. Okay. (laughs) And and you are the king of cushion. But what the heck is that? Well, you know how um, we rush and we always feel like we're behind in our schedule and our day. And then that adds another day to it. And, oh, I'm always behind and I'm behind on this project and I got to get this done. You know, all that stuff that we keep saying all the time. You ever experienced that, Jake? Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm raising my hand. Guilty. Yep.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, here's the deal. There's a simple solution to fixing that. Everything as a small business owner that we do is because how we set up our day. Going back to the very beginning of our conversation about that agility and that freedom to do what we want, when we want, how we want, why we want. Small business owners stack everything on top of each other instead of giving themselves like a 10 to 15 minute cushion between appointments. What if traffic is bad? What if you need to catch a breather? What if you haven't had a meal? What if a customer called in needing something? Give yourself cushions so you can breathe and clear your head so you don't feel like you're always running behind because the truth of the matter is that's all in your head. And you can fix it by changing your schedule.
0: I think the biggest thing you said is clear your head. Um, you know, you and I, uh, the great thing about having a podcast is that you're able to, uh, of course you want the podcast to be unique and, and kind of have a nice flow to it. And, you know, you, there's kind of criteria that you want. But of course, sometimes you drift off course or it doesn't, you know, outline as, as nicely as you would like. But fortunately, we were able to do a take two because the first one didn't go as well as we wanted. And for me, on my side of the fence, it was because I did not provide a cushion. I was, my mind was in a different game, uh, a different stadium, and then you and I dove into a conversation that didn't work as well as it could have. And it was all because of that pure moment when I saw that and read that I'm like yeah you nailed it on the head because a lot of us are trying to force you know 50 pounds of sand in a five pound bag because we need to it's the hustle it's the grind it's the continuous you know achievement you know I'm an achiever I gotta go for it and you just think go 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 but really what are you serving if you have to take it if you have to do a take twice episode you're wasting even more time As opposed to letting yourself breathe for 5 or 10 minutes, get clear, get focused, and then dive into it. So, huge, huge point.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what about giving yourself that 10 or 15 minutes so you can make all the uh, notes that you need, create your action plan with what you just went through, and then clear your head and be present to go into the next thing. Oh, my gosh. That is a game changer. That's all I got to say. It is a game changer.
0: And... Uh, from experience, I'm, I'm totally taking your point and molding into my own. But don't be afraid to apply that to either side, either beforehand or after. Because as yeah. you know, the, the most important things that are brought up during a conversation are usually lost because you're like, ah, shoot, I'm running late with, with my next client or my next phone call. I'll get to it later. I'll remember the key things that we talked about, and then we all know what happens. You know, mm-hmm. our, our mind is a sieve, and then things just sprinkle. You know, they fall right through the cracks. And we're like, oh, man, there there's gold. There's nuggets of gold in that conversation that I totally forgot about or I didn't write down or I didn't you know reflect an email as a reminder to both parties and and help us out. so um, huge yeah. huge, huge point, huge point. The, the the sigh in the room, the last pillar here, peace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so you we talked about hacking. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Okay. Now here's the other two words, and you just said them like a whole minute ago, and that was hustle and grind. Yeah. Okay. Your business doesn't need to be a grind.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a good. That's a it good quote, right there. My,
1: come on, it grinds my gears when people start talking about doing the grind. Why are we making it be a grind? True. Why can't we say, cool, I get an opportunity today to do X, Y, and Z. I'm so blessed because I've taken the time to learn how to connect to a podcast. I've taken the time to get training on whatever And I can rock it out now. I can do my own videos. I don't have to pay somebody gazillions of dollars in their studio. I can do it. I am blessed. Why don't we stop and shift how we're approaching our own business in our own minds? I don't know why more people aren't doing this. We all talk about it's time to go meditate. Bring that to your business. Become more mindful with your business. I have a friend who um, learned how to do yoga last year. And she said to me, the yoga instructor was so cool. He, He said, remember to be mindful off the mat. And I thought that was just like the silliest thing on the planet, that somebody would need to be told that. But yet it meant the world to her. And I've seen how she's taken that and applied that. Now, I come from this realm of peace. You know, simplicity is one of my core values. Peace is one of my goals, personally and professionally. So I'm wired to know that. But I get that most people aren't. Once I saw this go through through her transformation of embracing being mindful off the mat, I was like, oh my gosh, this is even bigger than I ever thought it was. We aren't focused on how to simplify things and how to give ourselves cushion so we can be more present to our business and get the clarity that we need to show up and perform the way that it needs us to, and we need to. And one of, one of our, um, one of the gentlemen that I interviewed, Phil Gerbischak, who's a, a co-founder of Vingresso, he said it best. He said, the key is not to balance, rather to be balancing. Huh. And, and to me, that's what it's about. It. And he says, for small businesses, it's about making continuous and intentional actions to be balancing and reconfiguring your relationships. And he says, customers, employees, and your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and when I interviewed George A. Santino, and he's a retired Microsoft partner, he essentially said the same thing. Wasn't as eloquent as some of his other things that I've quoted, but he was talking about the need for this as well. And I'm just like, we need to get a grip on slowing down. And... When we slow down we get the clarity to see what we ought to be working on that will give our business those performance boosts instead of just doing all the busyness hmm. How do you like that
0: yeah that's that's good uh, that's the truth you know I mean we're not taking enough time for thyself um, and that's where burnout happens and when you get burnt out the last thing you want to do is is to go invest back into your business because you're burnt out and then people just spiral out of control or they let you know things go that they shouldn't and you know you lose customers, you lose profits, you lose people and, and things obviously don't pan out the way that you want because you're doing the classic or the very popular thing right now, which is the grind, the hustle, the achievement. And and you nailed it on the head. We, we need to be more mindful and present uh, in who we are and our business to make sure that we can be a successful, uh, growing, continuous growing uh, business in the years to come. Uh, Maggie, a lot of huge ahas, a lot of great ideas and takeaways uh, with your personal chapter, and of course, I mean we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg with your content. So uh, kudos to you! And before we wrap up and tell the audience where people can find out about you and, and get more info on the book that's going to be released here in 2017, um, the last question I have is: This book is obviously called Brilliant Breakthroughs. It's it's your brand. It's it's your book. Uh, it's in a way your child. But what was the biggest breakthrough in your own personal business over the last decades? Uh, That you encountered a very large question for a unprepared uh, individual. But uh, nonetheless, I I would imagine that there's a lot of breakthroughs that you've experienced that could shed some light and some energy into the small business owner that's listening right now.
1: People, people, people. Um, I, you know, looking at this book project alone, I could not have done it if I didn't have strong relationships. And those only come from conversations and it comes from putting yourself out there and you can put yourself out there a million different ways. It doesn't matter. You need to build relationships. What amazes me about breakthroughs is a lot of people are willing to help. You just need to build a relationship and ask for help. And help comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes Like, I reached out to one guy and said, hey, I need some help. I'm looking for X. And the X was I was looking for somebody to talk specifically about marketing. And this gentleman was the guy. He's one of the premier marketers in the country. And he said, I know who you need to talk to. And he's in perfect alignment with what your project is. And he helped me find uh, Greg Nicholson, who wrote about how to dominate your marketing message wow, your business owner, but that was only, we only know Greg because I built a relationship with someone else on LinkedIn. Now, truth be known, he and I did not have a deep relationship. It was surface. Okay. But he took a moment and we had the conversation and it was good. People make the world go round. Everybody says money makes the world go round. There's a truth to that. But the only way money moves is when people let it. People make the world go round. And we are people we need to learn how to better self manage self lead. Um, It's something that I work on daily myself, because I know the power in it. So Build your relationships because then, and give because when it comes time that you need something, people are going to be happy to help you out. Just be a good friend period.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head. Sometimes, Excuse me. We overcomplicate things, and especially when it comes to relationships, they are truly the lifeblood to pull us out of of a very bad situation or to raise us up in a very excellent situation. So, um, Maggie, again, uh, kudos to you this chapter. Kudos to you on this book. Uh, kudos on many different uh, areas that you're you're going through with your own personal business. And thank you for enlightening the audience with some of the great takeaways that they experienced. How can people that are listening right now get in contact? with you, find out more about what the great things you're doing. And of course, find out about the book.
1: Okay. Um, You can connect with me at brilliant breakthroughs. That's with an S. I'll let you have more than one breakthrough, brilliant breakthroughs.com and click on that. Contact us and let me know whatever you need to know. We can make that happen. Mm -hmm. Or if you would like to reach out on an app, uh, we have an app. It's called, Brilliant Biz Book, and all three of those Bs are capitalized. That's B-I-Z in the middle, Brilliant Biz Book. And we have a section that says, Ask an Expert. You can type in your comment and click me, and you'll get to me directly. How do you like that? Awesome. Now, for the book, if you want to know more about the book and how to engage with us and what to do and when it's releasing, which comes out November 8th of 2017, Go to um, bitly, b i t dot l y backslash brilliant biz book, just like you heard before. Brilliant biz book with Bitly link in front of it, and we'll be good to go. And you'll you'll just see me, and I'll share with you what's up, and we'll start engaging that way. Thanks. Cool.
0: Awesome, Maggie. I appreciate you. Thanks for the great wisdom, and we'll talk
1: to you soon. Sounds like a plan. Thank you.
0: Thanks again to Maggie for coming on the podcast and sharing her wisdom in the world of helping small business owners create massive success in their business in 2017 and, of course, beyond. This project of creating a book, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, is truly a monstrous task, but all we know is that the journey needs to start with one step, and also two, the journey is usually worth taking, and of course, the book is going to be live November 8th of 2017. All we ask of you guys is to join us on this journey and head on over to our bit.ly link. That is bit.ly forward slash brilliant biz book with all capital B's brilliant Capital B, Biz, Capital B, Book with Capital B. Make sure you also sign up to get 100 free small business tips to help your small business succeed. A lot of S's in that one. Succeed in 2017. Head on over to our Bitly link. And also too, if you love apps on your phone, tablet, device, head on over to your app store. We have an app for the book. It is called Brilliant Biz Book. Head on over to Apple or Android and join us there. It is free. You can check out the book. You can check out what we're doing. You can find out more information about who we are and what we're personally doing in the world of small business. And of course, like anything, this podcast is to serve you. All we ask in return is for you guys to leave a review and of course, subscribe, share it with another small business owner that could truly utilize this information. So with that being said, go out there in the world today and create a brilliant breakthrough in your small business. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks.